2: Streaming at play.xumo.com, or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
4: This is The Edge with Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Eumanns on VCN, the sports betting network. What up, folks? Happy Friday. Welcome into the edge here on V the Sports Betting Network. Good show on tap today. The Boston Celtics got a game in the books. They're up 1-0 in the NBA finals. Matt Human's alongside, of course, as we have a lot to discuss when it comes to the Celtics opening up a 1-0 series lead. Matt, 120 to 108 last night. Uh, what'd you think? And especially that fourth quarter where they outscored the Warriors 40 to 16.
1: Yeah, I wore my green shirt today, as promised. If uh, the Celtics delivered a game one win, I did not play the Celtics last night, and uh, it was interesting because I had a couple decent opportunities, JBT and live wagering, to grab six and a half points or a little bit more. Six and a half was in the first quarter, early in the game, and I passed on it. And uh, in the third quarter, the one the quarter I was most concerned about for the Celtics, uh, my concerns. We realized, because the Golden State Warriors uh, w- won that quarter 38-24, the Celtics have had some problems in the third. The Warriors have been strong in the third throughout these playoffs. And at the end of that quarter, with a 92-80 to lead, I think everybody thought, or most people thought, that the Warriors were probably going to win game one. Uh, they, they had a 15-point lead, and before you know it, they're down by 15. And I, I was, it's going to take us at least 10 minutes here to talk about what I thought. Uh, from the game, JVT, but in short, the Celtics in the first, I will say, six minutes of the fourth quarter played some of the best offensive basketball I've ever seen in my life. And that's how they won game one. They had seven of seven from three-point range and totally blew the Warriors off the court with a phenomenally efficient offensive play in the first half of the fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, I think that's where you kind of start, right? Uh, the Celtics, this is from NBA.com slash stats or NBA stats up on Twitter. You mentioned the three-point shooting. So everybody wants to talk about in this game overall, they shoot over 50% from three. And in the fourth quarter, Matt, Celtics, nine three-pointers in that quarter A game one, tying the NBA Finals record for the most team three-pointers in any quarter tie the finals record set by the 2017 Golden State Warriors. They made nine in the first quarter back on June 7th, 2017. And we should say, too, because there's been a lot of unsustainable. But the interesting part about those three-point attempts, which you're talking about the way they played offensively, those were not the result of just jack-em-up prayers and you know hopefully they go down. That was dribble penetration, kick it out to open shooters, draw help defense, and get a guy like Al Horford open in the corner, Derek White open from, uh, from beyond the arc. That was the result of really good offense, execution, and ball movement, not so much just some lucky shots that happened to go down in the fourth quarter.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. Actually, I think uh, some of those shots were pretty well contested. The Celtics just made... Uh, they got the hot hand from three. They made some tough shots there. And, hey, this is what happens. This is basketball now. I'm not going to say it's basketball of the future because it's basketball of the present. You want five guys on the floor who can not only shoot the three but make the three. And what the Celtics have and what makes them so good, we've talked about it a lot on this show, and I know do you appreciate the way the Celtics play because of this. At any given time, even with their top two reserves, they can put five guys on the floor who can defend and make the three. And that's, that makes them extremely difficult to defend, and they stretched out Warriors' defense last night, and uh, the, the Golden State had no answer for it. Well, That's what's going to make it interesting, I think, as we go through this series, because a, a long NBA series is always about adjustments. How are the Warriors going to adjust after uh, they didn't do a good, good enough job defending the three last night? But the Celtics are going to be tough to defend because they got so many guys who can stretch the four and shoot the three. They're not going to make that many threes every night. And that's why they're not going to run away with the series, I don't think. Uh, But the Warriors are going to have to find out a better way to defend the three-point line. And JVT, you talked about it in the previous uh, series in the West Finals. The Warriors were leaving a lot of shooters open from three-point range. They were getting away with it because the Mavericks weren't hitting a high percentage. But the Celtics did last night.
4: Yeah, and, and I think, too, when you talk about it, because I was asked about this by uh, by Patrick and Michael on the Lombardi line earlier today, which was essentially the difference between the Mavericks and the Celtics but from that standpoint, right, in terms of the three-point shooting and the shots not going down. And for me, Matt, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, because for me at least, the difference is when you watch what happened in that fourth quarter, I mentioned the dribble penetration, the, the Mavericks are dependent on one guy to create their shots. The Celtics are not. Jason Tatum had a drive-and-kick three-point assist. Derek White had a drive-and-kick three-point assist. Jalen Brown had multiple drive-and-kick three-point assists. It's not just having multiple guys who can shoot the ball. It's having multiple guys who are adequate guys who can attack off the bounce and find open teammates. I think that was the biggest difference. Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith aren't doing that for you, but... White, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum can do that for you. And you saw that big difference in the fourth quarter yesterday.
1: Yeah, you can see the highlights on the screen here. Uh, Stephen Curry, six three-pointers in the first quarter last night. Yep. And I think the fact that the Celtics were hanging around down four at the end of that quarter was a good sign for them. And the they took a halftime lead. And uh, they withstood that Curry three-point barrage early in the game where I think a lot of people thought, here it is. here we go, the Warriors. Stephen Curry's going to be MVP and the Warriors are going to win uh, win this series. That's what most people expect. That's why the bets were like ten to one in favor of Golden State last mm-hmm. night. Uh, but like you said, in terms of uh, the Celtics' ability to drive and kick, uh, you're talking about Tatum, Smart, Brown, even uh, even a guy like uh, Derek White can do that too. They got a lot of guys who can set up three-point shooters by driving the basketball. And uh, like you said, it's not the future of the NBA. It's the way it's played now. And the Celtics have got five guys on the floor who can defend and shoot the three. And that's why they're in the finals and have a one-zero 0 lead over Golden State.
4: And you know what the incredible part is, Matt? One of those names that you mentioned, Marcus Smart, didn't even see the floor until after they had the lead. Like, that's the other part about it. They're deep. Their defensive player of the year didn't get on the floor until about four minutes left, and they were already up by six. Yeah,
1: and the reason that he wasn't on the floor, and I know a lot of people were talking about this, is because Stephen Curry wasn't on the floor. Uh, Curry obviously sets out the first three or four minutes of the fourth quarter. And with the Warriors had a 12-point lead last night uh, going to the fourth, Curry was going to take his usual rest in the in the first part of the fourth quarter. So that's why Marcus Smart was sitting out. But while Smart was out, all those reserves got so hot, you don't want to change your lineup on the floor when you got guys playing that well and taking over the game. Uh, so uh, I, I thought Smart had a pretty good game defensively. He had obviously uh, – not a great game defensively, but he shot four for seven from three. He actually uh, had a couple steals, five rebounds, four assists. But there's no question after game one that Jalen Brown is the he should be the favorite to be MVP. Did you yeah. see JBT today that uh, some books have Jason Tatum listed as the favorite right. to win Finals MVP at this point? How is it not Jalen Brown? Ten for twenty three from the floor last night. Twenty four points, seven rebounds, five assists. He was outstanding in that game, and I think he should be the favorite to be MVP right now, and I know uh, you have a ticket on Brown.
4: I've got him at 13-1, and, and I'll I'll do you one better, Matt. Those stats that you listed off, they're incredible. How about until the six, the first six minutes and 50 seconds of the fourth quarter for Brown, 10 points, a perfect 4-4 four four from the floor, 2-2 yep. two two from three-point range, four assists and a steal. Like he was, he was insane at the start of the fourth quarter. He's the reason why they cut into that lead. And then, and the the best part about it was we're talking about these lineups and and what they were doing because I want to get to the defensive aspect of it too because the shooting in the offense always takes center stage. He does his thing. I list off all the stats. And then right about like the five-minute mark or so, Al Horford comes in, and he decides to do his thing too. And he puts the clamps down himself, hits a three, wide-open three-point shot, hits a baseline jumper. He was unconscious as well. Unconscious as well. So him and Jalen Brown both, to me, Matt, like that should be your one and two for finals MVP. I, I don't know, and I get it. There's liability, all these different things when it comes to these index props or whatever. Jalen Brown, if we're talking about true odds, is the favorite right now to win finals MVP. There's no question about
1: well, he should be. Uh, I think Jalen Brown should be the favorite at this point. Al Horford uh, was great last night, six for eight from three-point range. And you know the, the thing is, that's one game. And typically, the player who wins MVP is the player who kind of takes over the series in the, the third and fourth wins for his team in the NBA Finals. Right? You can steal the MVP with a huge win in the clinching game of the series. So I don't yeah. want to make too much about. Uh, what happened last night, because some of that's going to be forgotten by the time we get to games four or game five of this series. Are we going to get to game five, JVT? You think the Celtics can sweep?
4: Uh, I mean, I I think they're capable of doing it. I hope they don't, because I have that ticket on them to win in five. (laughs) So I hope they don't. Uh, and how about that? How about losing that ticket in that fashion? huh? Having them in five and losing because they actually sweep the Golden State Warriors uh, would be something. Let me let me ask you this, because we, we everybody keeps. I think one of the talking points that comes out of that game from yesterday, Matt, is unsustainable. It's a word you keep hearing. I, the Celtics aren't going to be able to shoot like that. Sure, they're probably not. Are you going to hit nine three pointers at a quarter? Probably not. But let me ask you this, Matt. You know what I think is sustainable the fact that they held the Golden State Warriors scoreless for five minutes of game time in the fourth quarter. Is it going to be you know, five minutes exactly? Maybe not. But are they going to be able to bother Golden State on end of the floor? Absolutely. And it wasn't just the fourth quarter. Remember the second quarter, they had Steph Curry goes into the second quarter, 21 points, shooting the lights out. He's scoreless in the second quarter. They forced seven turnovers. Those two quarters alone for the Boston Celtics and what they did defensively, they're not going to get enough credit for. And how about this? This is from Harlebaugh Vulgaris, Matt. Celtics switched the pick and roll 18% of the time in quarters one through three, 29% of the time in quarter four. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they can do that. They're yep. so, so versatile uh, defensively. By the way, you. Uh, we, the Warriors are talking a lot about how the Celtics. Well, they're not going to shoot. They're not going to knock down threes like that. We'll be fine. We're going to hear from Draymond Green in the next segment. But there are some things the Warriors did last night that are not going to happen in every game. JBT, do you think Otto Porter and Andre Iguodala are going to combine to shoot five for six from three-point range in every game? <laughs> Those guys stepped up with some uh, pretty meaningful contributions last night off the bench, and uh, I don't think you're going to expect that every game. All right, the series has flipped. Obviously, at this point at Circus Sports, Celtics are minus 180, Warriors plus 155. Heading into game two, that's the adjusted series price. And right now, I bet MGM if you want to bet the Celtics to sweep, seven to one odds.
4: Yep. And uh, for game two, which we'll get into, the uh, Warriors, a four point favorite with a total of 215.5. So you're laying a half a point more in this situation. We'll talk about that when we come back on the other side. Not something that I really understand. We'll talk about that. We'll also hear from Draymond Green. As Matt mentioned, uh, doesn't seem that the Warriors are worried, but they really should be.
2: So follow The 7 right now.
5: This is The Edge on VSN, the sports
4: betting network.
1: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free for cash all season in our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,000. $500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter, 21 and older only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink
4: responsibly.
1: JBT, let's get back to the NBA. Uh,
4: yes, and, and I wanted to uh, throw this out there, man. I know you're uh, you're a big numbers guy. You're big on analytics probability. I think you've, you've even got your own model that you've built uh, back at home. Um, that gives you all of your numbers, and I know that you really buy into this. ESPN Stats and Info: The Boston Celtics, first team in NBA history to win a Finals game by double digits after trailing by double digits entering the fourth quarter, win probability as low as four percent when they were down 15 near the end of the third quarter. Matt,
1: yeah, I don't get that. I don't. You know, you and I have talked about these win probability <laughs> models a lot the last couple of years. How many times have we seen teams win games and they had a win probability of less than two percent? Hmm. Uh, in an NBA game with as much volatility as there is, how can you say the Celtics had a 4% chance to win down 15? Uh, I think that's crazy. I think you could say they had a 4% chance to win by double digits. I'll buy into that. Like you said, the first time in finals history, the team entered the fourth trailing by double digits and won by double digits. Uh, that was one of the, uh, obviously, one of the three most impressive fourth quarters I think I've ever seen in NBA finals history. Uh, from a team that came in to the fourth trailing in a game uh, forty to sixteen. I think the Warriors scored the last five points of the game Isn't that right JVT wasn't that 40 to 11 yeah. at one point I, I think
4: yeah. yeah I think so I, I think you're right they they did hold them scoreless for like about five 15 uh, of the fourth quarter it, it was really impressive but here's the thing Matt, and you alluded to it uh, Warriors they're not worried uh, let's hear from Draymond Green, <laughs> I uh, who after be. the game... Yeah. I think they should be, too, and we'll get into some of the reasons why. Uh, but let's hear from Draymond, who was surprisingly nonchalant after a loss like that yesterday.
6: Yeah, Several of Al Horford's threes were, were wide open. I mean, do you, what do you guys need to do better there?
1: Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, watch some film, but, you know, they have guys that put pressure on the rim, so you're going to have to rotate and help, and... Uh, We'll have to figure out where our next rotation is coming from and, and do it. But, you know, um, they hit 21 threes and Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and
4: Derek White combined for 15 of them. So that was. Okay. <laughs> so he doesn't seem that concerned. Uh, he went on to say, we'll be fine uh, when he came to those three and shooting those mm-hmm. shots. Here's the problem, Matt. Uh, we alluded to this in the first uh, the first segment. Uh, th- those were not just uh, just put them up threes. Those were an, as a result of dribble penetration and the inability of certain Warriors defenders to stay in front of their guys. You only get forced into your rotation if somebody gets beat, yeah. and uh, the Warriors were getting beat quite a bit yesterday. And I'm not entirely sure what the recipe, the antidote is for the Golden State in terms of getting better on ball defenders outside of Gary Payton all of a sudden becoming healthy, and, and there's you know ripple effects from there. Well, if
1: I'm Steve Kerr, JVT, I don't want to see what you think about this. There's one guy I'm taking off the floor, and that's uh, Poole. Uh, Poole, yeah. Poole can't defend you if uh, you're driving to the rim. Uh, and I think that's a guy who, in this series, is going to be less valuable because uh, he he can't play the defensive end of the floor. He can't stop dribble penetration. I'm taking Poole off the floor, and I'm putting Gary Payton back into rotation. I think that's the first move you got to make if you're the Warriors.
4: Here's the thing, because I would agree with you to a certain extent with Jordan Poole. uh, You can play him. You can't play him when he's scoring nine points and going two of seven from the floor, and one right. of five from three-point range, which is what he did yesterday. If that's the Jordan Poole you're getting, you're absolutely right. He, he cannot be played because he's not a good defender. He can consistently get blown by. And here's the other thing, Matt. You know who wasn't really that great either in terms of their on-ball defense? It's somebody we've talked about. It's Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's not the same guy that he was before. And there was multiple possessions in which he got picked on a little bit, whether it was Jalen Brown, whether it was Jason Tatum. And some of his guys were, of course, blowing by. him getting another dude to rotate over and then ping 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 from there you get an open three and that's kind of the problem i think pool is part of it but i just think when you look at that overall like for example, there was a there was a couple of possessions where Kerr played Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green together, right? Two pretty solid defenders. The problem was on the other end of the floor, they both passed up extremely wide open threes for extra passes yeah, to other guys. Yeah. Like it's just like the trade-off here, like I thought yesterday, Matt, you saw some of the shortcomings of Golden State's roster. This isn't over by any means. But I, I was really surprised by the overwhelming support for Golden State, for the series, and for that game, just looking at them and realizing like, there's some issues that they're going to run into in this game, and I think you really saw them come to light yesterday.
1: Which is going to be interesting to see what changes Steve Kerr does make before uh, Game 2. Yep. In, in the Steve Kerr era, the Warriors had been 21-2 and two in Game 1s. Uh, that's why I didn't want to bet against them last night. Plus, they had not lost a game at home. In this postseason, they had been great at home. Now we know the Warriors and Celtics are both teams capable of winning on the road. Uh, I thought the Celtics, their goal had to be to go to San Francisco and split. And if if you did that, you're in great shape. But now it's got to be the Warriors who have to win game two or they're in huge, huge trouble. You're going to have their backs to the wall big time going to Boston if they can't find a way to win Sunday night. And that's why that point spread's jacked up a little bit, JVT. There's so much support. Uh, For GSW in Game 1, we were talking about here at the South Point at one point, the bets were 10-1 to in favor of the Warriors. Uh, After they take a loss, after the series favorite that had so much public support takes a loss, everybody's going to say, well, they're not going to lose Game 2, too. They're going to bounce back and tie this series Sunday night, which is what a team like the Warriors with their, quote, championship pedigree would be expected to do. (laughs) (laughs) I just think the – the Celtics are a lot more dangerous opponent than most people thought going into this series. But that's why the point spreads up at four. Uh, you know, you're going to bet the it's the zigzag that we talk about that's been uh, followed by betters for uh, three decades at least in NBA betting that the trends have not been as strong this year with the zigzag. But that's why that number is four instead of three and a half is that uh, more betters are going to believe the Warriors are going to bounce back and tie the series Sunday night.
4: Yeah, and, and it's a, it's a different it, to use Steve Kerr's words. It's a different kind of feeling, right? You mentioned how good they've been in game ones. Uh, let let's hear from Steve Kerr before we get into the full on analysis of that one, because I got some thoughts on game two because uh, he put voice to that. It is different. They're used to being up after game one, and the Warriors aren't. They've got some questions to answer.
6: It's different for sure. I mean, uh, you know, when you when you win game one at home. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a sense of comfort and, a, you know, you kind of have a feel for your opponent at that point and make your adjustments. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a different feeling. Obviously, you go into game two with, uh, you know, more of a sense of desperation. Um, but that's all part of this stuff. You know, we've, uh, we've been in this position before and, um, you know, we've won series where we've, where we've lost uh, the first game.
4: And you know, they've lost series. You know, like there's been a long storied history here for the Warriors. But for me, Matt, when we're talking about spinning this forward to game two and talking about the number itself, you know how I am. I'm pretty rigid when it comes to belief in numbers and where you're at. And for me, zigzag zero theory or not, to ask a better or for you as a better to go into game two and say, you know what? They failed to cover three and a half. They lost outright. I'm gonna lay a half point or a point more because of a theory that they're gonna come back and perform better. Like I just I don't see the value in a strategy like that as a better. This was already a number that I thought we talked about yesterday. Three and a half would tell you that these two teams are equal. They are not in my mind. Now some spots were as high as four and a half yesterday. It was crazy seeing that immediate move up to the four and a half point mark, which we saw multiple times. There's been some buyback, but for me, man, no zigzags zigzag theory aside. I just think as a better, it is foolhardy to bet into a number that has already been inflated, whether it's a half point or a full point here, just because of a situation that a team is in. Wow, foolhardy.
1: That's the first time I've heard you use that word and uh, all the time we've been on the edge. Foolhardy. Okay. I was going
4: to use uh, I was going to use dumb AF uh, in you know, <laughs> the full thing about that, but you know I can't do that on the network.
1: I think the, uh, the betters are going to back the Warriors are going to reflect on, hey, they had a 15-point lead with two minutes to go in the third quarter. They yep. were cruising. And uh, they're going to look at it as a fluke fourth quarter in a game that got away. Hey, you were talking about Clay Thompson. And uh, I, I said, you know, in the last few months after he came back, I thought he looked about a half step slow, which is going to happen when you've had the injuries he's had, you blow out your yep. Achilles and you're 32 years old. The Celtics make him look a full step slow, not a half step slow, because they've got guys who can blow by you on the dribble. And uh, you're right about that. He's exposed. He's not the same defender he used to be.
4: No, he's not, and it's uh, and and it, as well too, Matt. Like it also that's why I was kind of not into him as like an MVP candidate because he's just been really inconsistent, and, and the offense is part of that too, right? There's peaks and valleys to his game now, and maybe next year it's better because he gets the season under his belt, offseason, then gets back into the swing of things normally instead of coming back in the middle of the year. But it's also why like anytime I was asked about Thompson, I was like, I, you, you just want more, right, for Finals MVP than what you were getting from a number standpoint because he just doesn't look like the same dude, right. Hey, let's talk about the total here before we wrap it up. So last night you have insane
1: three-point shooting on the part of the Celtics. 21 for 41, 51.2%. The Warriors actually shot the three ball pretty well, too. The total's up to 214. What are you thinking for the total for game two?
4: But I I thought that this was going to be a higher-scoring series, so I kind of think that we're going to see a similar type of output. I can understand anybody wanted to go under like 216, given where we were for game one. But I think these are, again, two teams that, while they're good defensively, have things that can bother one another. Hey, Matt, really quick, who we got coming up next? We got a special guest, right?
1: and Vinny in studio with us. Vinny Maiulo in studio. We're going to talk about the South Point College Football Games of the Year going up. And Wayne Krivsky, former Cincinnati Reds general manager, joins us by phone next on The Edge.
4: This is The Edge on v the Sports Betting Network.
1: All right, Zen Nicotine pouches is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine. Nicotine pouches are smoke-free and spit-free and made with food-grade ingredients. Simply open the child, resist the lid, and place a pouch between your lip and gum for up to one hour of real nicotine satisfaction. Zen available in 10 varieties and two strengths. Simple and discreet, you can enjoy Zen anywhere, anytime. Find your freedom, find your satisfaction, find your Zen. Visit Zen.com at ZYN.com to learn more and to find Zen Nicotine Pouches near you. Zen Nicotine Pouches are for adults 21 and older only who currently use tobacco or nicotine. A warning, this product contains nicotine, which is an addictive chemical. It's like the good old days on My Guys in the Desert. Matt Eumann's here with Vinny Myulo V.C. Vinny from the South Point and Gone Gaming. We have JVT at an undisclosed secret location away from the casino. And we're going to be joined in a minute by Wayne Krivsky, former Cincinnati Reds general manager. I know a guy you like a lot. But first, Vinny, let's talk about Chris Andrews. Jimmy Vaccaro and yourself, you put up college football games of the year numbers. They're going up as we speak here at the South Point
6: Sports Building. Yes, it is. Um, it's a, kind of a tradition uh, in recent years here. It's something that uh, uh, we look forward to and uh, a lot of professional bettors look forward to as well. They're at the, the window right now sizing up uh, the sheets that we just had. I gave you one as well, and uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing you. Uh, how our numbers compare to the uh, pros. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll break down some of those numbers uh, in uh, in Front the next segment. Looks like, uh, to me, about 100 games. About 100 games, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All
1: right, we'll talk about those in the final segment of the show today. Let's bring in Wayne Kripsky, former Cincinnati Reds general manager, longtime MLB executive and scout, lives in Las Vegas, joins us now. Vinny, I know uh, you and Wayne – Go way back.
6: We do. I uh, enjoyed uh, meeting Wayne a few years back. He was on uh, my guys in the desert uh, several times with uh, with Brent Musburger and myself. And Wayne, good to have you back with us, buddy. Uh, you know, now this is not a Homer question Thanks, on Benny. my Great part. To be uh, back. Not a homework question on my part, but I do have to I do have to ask you a question related to uh, to the uh, to the New York Mets and of course uh, going against the Dodgers. A great series that uh, a lot of folks uh, are looking forward to. They look forward to it. Yesterday, and bet it, uh, bet it uh, strongly, and will bet it uh, for the rest of the weekend. Your thoughts on uh, this pitching matchup tonight, Bassett against Anderson. Anderson uh, about a dollar fifty uh, average around town, and uh, I mean I think the Dodgers have a big advantage. Overall in pitching, but uh, your thoughts on what you see uh, for both of these pitching staffs, uh, starting uh, with uh, with the Mets tonight?
5: Well, I, I'd be, it's great to be on with you, Benny and Matt. I, and uh, I, I, when I first looked at this game, I look at a guy like Bassett being a kind of a healthy underdog. It looks like he it got bet down a little bit, uh-huh. uh, but I, I like both pitchers a lot. Tyler Anderson's kind of been a little bit of a sleeper this year. He's given the Dodgers plenty of innings. I wouldn't call him a crafty left-hander, but he's not overpowering. He's got enough fastball, but he's got some deception. And uh, I just think that I had a funny feeling last night uh, that uh, after that debacle with the Pirates, that the Dodgers might play well. And I've noticed teams going from the East Coast to the West Coast over my career. That first game out there with the time difference can sometimes be problematic. And uh, the Mets didn't hit, and Gonzalez was tough, and. Kimbrough looked a lot different in the ninth inning yesterday than he did Monday in that Pirates series. So uh, I I have, at first blush, I I look at the dog and I see Bassett at a good price, but I'm not sure this is a great spot. I think the Dodgers have a little something to prove after the last three games at home, and uh, I think Anderson can get it done. It's not I don't love it either way, but I just have a feeling the Dodgers are going to have a good weekend overall.
1: All right. Last night, by the way, when the Mets were held down by the Dodgers in that game, Francisco Lindor did not play, smashed his finger in a hotel door, and was not in the lineup. I think he's expected to play tonight. JVT, let's bring you in. Uh, when are your angels going to win another game? <laughs>
4: Uh, I, I don't know. So let's let, let's ask Wayne about this. This is a Homer question. <laughs> Wayne, I, I'm an Angels fan, and uh, this is like every single year now, right? About this time, the pitching falls apart, the bats go quiet, they start to lose games. Uh, they've lost what eight consecutive now. They're taking on a Philly, te- a Philadelphia Phillies team though that just fired their manager and is falling apart just as badly. Uh, so what do you make of this? Still, Seth on the hill opposing Eflin. <laughs> Phillies are a dollar twenty favorite.
5: Yeah, uh, I don't like the I don't like the Angels tonight. They've got a young kid out there on the mound who looked okay in his first outing, but uh, it's, it's not overpowering stuff. It's pretty much fastball changeup without much of a breaking ball. And I think with Girardi being fired today, I think that clubhouse is going to take. A, and this isn't a knock on Joe, but a big sigh of relief. And I think they're going to be relaxed tonight. And Eflin can be tough. Uh, I, I don't see the Angels breaking it tonight, JBT. I hate to tell you that, but Angel fans, kind of like the Mets fans from years ago, but now that Buck Showalter's at the reins, uh, it's a whole another story for the Mets. I, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think the bullpen hasn't gotten fixed there in, in L.A. and and uh, they've gone through a really tough stretch here. They missed Taylor Ward, which was a real spark plug for him, leading off. I, I think he's gone like one for 16 and five of us or four of his first five games back. Uh, Rendon's out of the lineup and David Fletcher's been out most of the year. That's kind of a caveat to the whole thing, but uh, without Rendon and Ward, that's, that's hurting their offense and the starters aren't getting deep and the bullpen's getting exposed. Everything's going wrong like happens in most slumps, but I'm a little concerned that they're coming into Philly here and, and, uh, Mr. Eflin's pretty tough. I, I like Eflin tonight, to answer your question. Sorry about that.
1: Eflin minus uh, 120. <laughs> Eflin and the Phillies minus 120 here at the South Point. Total of nine Matt, let's,
4: uh, let's hang up on him now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, the truth hurts, JVT.
5: Uh, I like your si- –
1: it's been a while since. I like your he-
5: Celtics play last night, though, JBT. Nice <laughs> job. <laughs> nice, nice,
1: nice recovery, Wayne. <laughs> now we can keep Wayne on the line. All right. Uh, G- uh, I do want to ask you, Wayne, about uh, Joe Girardi, and do you think the Phillies did the right thing here? A lot of times you've been in charge. When a team's in a tailspin, do you have to make a move at manager? Was Girardi given enough time? Do you think the Phillies did the right thing?
5: Yeah, I had to do that one time, Matt, and it's, it's not a fun thing to have to do. Uh, a lot of expectations here, and owner. It's really uh, spent like they've never spent before. They're over the luxury tax. So when you have a situation like that, and uh, the manager's usually the guy to take the hit, um, but it, it's really an organizational thing in a lot of ways. Uh, some of their offseason signings, I really I don't like the shape of their roster. They got too many THs. and it really reminds me a lot of the Yankees' offense last year. If you remember, they were kind of a feast or famine type deal. They they uh, really took advantage of mediocre stuff. They didn't hit the better pitching. They had a better bullpen than the Phillies do now. But it was no speed. They had guys out of position. Remember, Claver Torres at shortstop hurt them, and Sanchez catching hurt the Yankees. I see a lot of similarities defensively and offensively with the Phillies right now, and they they just don't have the bullpen to compensate for some of those to outpitch themselves from some of that poor defense. So, uh you know, it's, it's tough that it falls on the manager. Sometimes a different voice will help. I'm going to give you a long shot, Vinny, and that would be that Jim Leland steps in there at some point. He's Dave Dombrowski's favorite. He's seen what Dusty Baker and, uh, and uh, Tony La Russa are doing in other spots, and uh, that's really a long shot call on their next manager, and Dave and Jim are so close and have had a lot of success together. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just something that hit me when he made the change there, that Jim Leland, he might have that bug again and want to get back in there and turn this thing around. That would be a a gutsy move. And if I would go to Jim Leland, and I think Dave will. He'll make a phone call, and it's, he's going to have to hear the word no not to do it.
1: Um, that would be a blast from the past. It would. And the Phillies sure. uh, need wow. some fire, that's yeah, for it Would sure.
5: I know you're you're looking at me like... Matt, you're looking at me like I
1: got three heads right now. <laughs> no, that's a, mm-hmm. I actually think the Phillies need to do something. <laughs> Phillies need to do something dramatic uh, to get mm-hmm. this thing turned around. They've been underachievers, and I wouldn't disagree with a move like that. Uh, we got about 2 minutes left, Wayne. I want to ask you about a month ago on May 5th when the Reds were 3 and 22, there were a lot of people who thought and wrongly, obviously, that the Reds were not going to win 30 games this season. At that point, I said I would put their win total at fifty two and a half, so the Reds right now at eighteen and thirty two they've obviously been playing better baseball. How many games do you think the Reds will win this season?
5: yeah that's a that's a good call i uh, i I see them somewhere between sixty and sixty five I'm not okay. getting too carried away there i their sched their schedule's really softened up here after a rough start. Uh, they're swinging the bats a little bit. I just don't see the depth in pitching to really get too much over that 60-win mark. They might hit the 65. Uh, I just think there's too many cracks on that pitching staff, and it's going to take its toll over the course of a long season.
1: You know, Vinny, when I said uh, my win total would be 52-and-a-half, not one person wanted to play over 52-and-a-half at that point when the Reds were 3-and-21. No.
6: I, I can I can understand it, man. I mean, it looked pretty really, uh, pretty dismal there, and you started you're hearing sign you know, the stories about well, they're going to be sellers already, and this and that. But uh, long see, we've, we've seen that with baseball. It was a team that won the World Series a couple a of years point, ago Vinny. that uh, did that.
5: That's a good point, Vinny. I think. Uh... They will be sellers, and the week test field is going to be out of that rotation. It might, I might be a little high at 65 now that I think about it a little bit more.
1: That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> hey, Wayne, we got a lot of time to talk baseball this summer. We're going to catch up with you again soon. Thanks a lot for joining us on the Edge today. Wayne Krivsky, former okay. Reds general manager.
2: Zumo Play.
5: This is the Edge on VCN,
4: the Sports Betting Network.
1: All right, the VCN Summer Special is here. Thirty-nine dollars, to get everything VCN has to offer from now to the end of July. Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, JBT, all the way through the NBA Finals, the next two weeks. Andy McNeil on hockey. A lot of NFL off-season coverage, golf, UFC, and a lot more if you want the full v experience, including the daily best bet emails, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream. The cost, only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st, v slash summer. JB, take back. it
4: away. Welcome back, folks. we got a lot to get to here in the next couple of minutes. Uh, Vinny Maiulo standing by in studio with Matt Ewens because college football games the year up at the South Point a very quick reset for those of us, uh, for those of you who were with us yesterday to look at what we got coming into the NBA finals, Matt, just to let everybody know what we're uh, what I'm sitting on here, uh, NBA finals futures uh, that we have in pocket. Celtics to win the series in five. That's at nine to one uh, Jalen Brown to win finals MVP at 13 to one and a series rebound leader, Jason Tatum, at plus nine fifty-two of the three off to a good start through one game of the series.
1: Yeah, you're looking pretty good right there. And like, Wayne Krivsky, former Cincinnati Reds GM, gave you props. Nice job on your Celtics pick last night. Obviously, the uh, public was overwhelmingly on the Warriors in game one. How, how was that result for
6: the book last night, Vinny? It was uh, it was a good result, obviously. Uh, you know, we took uh, – it was bouncing back and forth between three and a half and four yesterday, Matt, uh, but then uh, quite a bit of Celtic money came in. The last couple of hours, Celtics uh, uh, with the points and uh, on the money line, So uh, uh, which, which – which we needed, uh, but uh, uh, overall was uh, was a good result. JBT, if uh,
1: I had told you or somebody had told you before last night's game that Jason Tatum would shoot three for seventeen, would, uh, would you have still
4: bet the Celtics? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have been kicking. I would have been pissed because I'm like, oh great, here we go. It's a, they're gonna get smoked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, Vinny, can I ask you really quickly in yeah. conjunction with the the result of the finals game? Uh, and how you guys did? I would assume that, along with everybody and their mother, thinking that Colorado Edmonton was going to be eight to seven again, uh, mm-hmm. and that going four nothing and going under the total, those two together probably gave you a pretty good day. No? Yeah,
6: I mean, uh, we actually bumped the total from six and a half over the other day to seven over yesterday. Yeah. So uh, uh, the fact, you know, I mean, the bigger uh, the bigger prop, yeah, the bigger shock uh, was uh, that Edmonton didn't score at all uh, against. Uh, yeah. You know, a second or third string uh, goaltender. So credit uh, credit the abs. I mean, they're. I, I got to tell you, they're the team to beat. There's no question about it.
1: All right. So the NBA game one flew over the total last night. Edmonton and uh, Colorado stayed under. Yeah. And uh, JVT's got Jalen Brown, who I think should be the favorite right now to win NBA Finals MVP at thirteen to one, and uh, he's got a ticket, Vinny, on the Celtics to win the championship at sixty
4: six to one.
6: Sixty six to one. You must have got that uh, before they started their run. JVT. Well done, buddy. Good job.
4: Yeah, right around February. And also, Matt, just to throw it out there, remember in Pointspread Weekly back in February, there was an article about uh, the Celtics to win the Eastern Conference that was put in there that Mm -hmm. you could have gotten right after the Super Bowl. So check out the work, man. We do good work here at Feast. Yes, you do.
6: Well done, boys.
1: All right, let's uh, look quickly. Actually, I've got the Celtics to win the NBA championship at plus 180 and Marcus Smart to win MVP at 100-1. to Move on to golf. (laughs) Uh, It's looking pretty good so far in the Memorial. Cameron Smith is the leader right now at 8-under. I've got Cameron Young. He's at six under. I've also got uh, a long shot play on Aaron Wise at 77 to one. He's at five under. uh, So, right there on the leaderboard with uh, a couple other guys Max Homa playing well. Uh, Will Zalatoris taking a couple steps back today. But all the guys I've got there in the hunt uh, today, headed to the weekend. So, let's hope for a Sunday sweat at the memorial in golf. All right, that's it for best bets. Vinny, let's get to college football games of the year. Chris Andrews. Has the numbers up here at the South Point Sportsbook. I see Paul Stone back there behind us Mm -hmm. firing up at the window. We do have movement in the first game listed, Alabama-Texas.
6: On Saturday, September 10th. You don't have to wait, folks. Uh, Texas. (laughs) uh, at home against Bama, Bama from 12 up to 13 and a half already, Matt, you know, uh, it's a great exercise, uh, for, for us, we enjoy doing it, uh, started doing this a few years ago here at South point. And again, uh, putting our numbers together early, the biggest challenge is these early power ratings is, uh, still trying to really keep track of the, the, the transfer portal is throwing a whole different, uh, dynamic into this the last couple of years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, uh, you know, but everybody's in the same boat, uh, the the value too is that when you start getting a, a, a really good professional opinions like Paul you mentioned there's several uh, professional players out there uh, that are uh, uh, stepping up to the window and putting up uh, as much as two thousand a whack uh, on these bets so um, it's a it's a great exercise I'll tell you how popular it is too and how how uh, how, how much business we'll do we put up the NFL week one about a month ago. We put up uh, college football week one about a week later, uh, uh, so that they've been up for uh, between uh, two to four weeks. Today, these games of the year will outhandle so far, not just the day one of those uh, activities, but right now we'll have more uh, on the college football games of the year at the end of today then uh, a week weeks uh, one for both college and pro football so far. Now mm-hmm. that'll that'll continue to grow as the summer goes. The other two, but as of I'm talking about from uh, an initial uh, release. Yeah, I know that uh, Paul Stone, who flew in yesterday to bet these,
1: has roughly a million dollars cash in his briefcase out there. So yeah, all right, yeah. Well, good. Give or take 950000
4: I was going to say, can you throw me something? Huh?
1: <laughs> I, I see on uh, Saturday, October 8th. By the way, that Alabama-Texas game is going to be a big noon kickoff in Austin, Texas. So that's Crimson Tide playing a true road game. I've got two college football win totals I like a lot, and I'm going to mention those on Monday's show. Uh, Saturday, October 8th, Oklahoma-Texas. is always in Dallas. I see you've got Oklahoma minus seven.
6: Uh, Oklahoma, Matt, seven there. Uh, I'll try to get to see if uh, if they jumped on that one just yet. As I think that's as a little bit here. high. Let's see, you I, think I so? Just,
1: I would make Oklahoma six. I'm you, just saying that I, I would okay. take the seven before uh, I lay it in that game. We'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm going to check with you and Chris this weekend, write a column on these for Point Spread Weekly. Next week we'll document all the – the moves and the numbers.
6: Just for your, uh, I know you always like to keep track, Matt, mm-hmm. of what we made. I made that game uh, eight. Chrissy made it six and a half, so uh, okay. wound up hanging seven uh, on that game. And uh, I think they're still uh, still studying that game uh, <laughs> uh, as we speak. So, uh, yeah. It's Brent Venables in charge at
1: Oklahoma now, not Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley. Yep. Uh, JVT, I'm going to throw a game at you. I'm going to give you a minute to think about where you would put the number. And I'll check back with you. October 22nd, UNLV at Notre Dame. <laughs> I want to see what you would make that number. Uh, Vinny, also Notre Dame plays a, a big non-conference game in Vegas. Uh, obviously uh, Notre Dame not in the playing in the ACC. But Notre Dame and uh, BYU play here in Vegas. I know Chris Andrews put up a number on uh,
6: Notre Dame BYU. Where is that game, Matt? Give me a give me a date on because uh, that's that's here. That's a that's a great uh, that's a terrific that's game. It's gonna be a sellout, that's... by the way, at Allegiant
1: Stadium uh, when the Cougars you know, and the Irish hook up
6: BYU uh,
1: here in Vegas. That's uh, actually nine one five five one. Looks like Notre Dame a five
6: point five favorite. point favorite. Yep, five points. Uh, for... You know both teams uh, both teams travel well, but I have to tell you. We used the BYU quite a bit because they, they play anybody they play uh, people talk about strength of schedule by teams Matt uh, I don't know if anybody's got a stronger uh, schedule uh, than uh, than BYU when you look at uh, who, who they who they're willing to play the Irish do the same uh, so uh, but we're we're looking uh, we're looking forward to, to to booking that game that day and of course uh, but we don't have to wait so by the way when we put these up. As the games approach, once we get to the season, there'll be a regular matchup which will be independent uh, of uh, of these here. But uh, again, that's uh, that's something that's a game we're looking forward to. Question is, who has more fans in the in the stadium that day? Because both teams do travel quite well, and even though it's you know going to be you know divvied up, uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, they'll both be represented I'd very well. I'd say Notre Dame
1: have slightly
6: more, maybe 60-40?
1: That's going to be a great crowd, yeah. here in Vegas for that game. Uh, also, just throw it out there, USC and Lincoln Riley are going to get a lot of public betting support. You guys opened UCLA a five-point favorite over USC on November 19th.
6: Yep. Uh, Matt, I gotta tell you that uh, these, I think the USC games are going to get a lot of betting attention. Yeah, we did, uh, we did use five there uh, on that game, and uh, the difference uh, that we had there, we were pretty... USC was one of our, you know, I made the game six uh chrissy made it four so we went right in the middle you know when you look at sc they did extremely well with the transfers uh but that was in the skill positions they still have to address the offensive line and their defense Uh, no question so that's going to be the big question there but they're going to get a lot of betting attention either for or against
1: jbt unlv notre dame october 22nd what do you make it
6: Punched punched it into my system that i'm going to go with notre dame
1: minus 31 not bad. 33.
6: First, 33, buddy. 33 hey, is right, an opener here at
1: the South Point. KVT. So, uh, <laughs> Nice call there. It's college football games of the year up right now at the South Point Sportsbook. JVT, close the show, or are you going to play game two in the NBA Finals?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm going to wait to see the market get to four and a half. I'm going to bet Boston again. Uh, they're my guys, and I'm going to continue to load up until the market responds as such. So, guys, it's good to talk to you again. South Point Games of the Year. Make sure you check those out. Beaston.com. We have all the content for all the sports and the uh, Harvard Handicappers up on Sunday and podcasts after every NBA Finals game. We'll see you on Monday.
2: Moplay. play